Sometimes I know in advance when I'm going to be here, and other times, more like more times than not, <clears throat> it's like brother, like yesterday. Brother Rob called me yesterday afternoon and said, "I'm supposed to tell you uh, to be ready to preach tomorrow night in prior and do music in prior." He said, "I think I forgot." And I said, "Yeah, you did, but that's all right." He he's he's let me know that. On, he's called me at one o'clock on Wednesday afternoon and said, uh, "You preaching tonight?" And he did that here a while back. He it was on a Wednesday morning. He said, uh, "Now you preaching tonight in Tahlequah?" And I said, "I can." He said, well, I thought I told you. And I said, well, no, you told me you told me back in October that you had some dates in November and that you'd let me know closer to the date. And he said, well, it's it's November now, and I'm letting you know. So uh, anyway, the Bible says be instant in season and out of season. I'm finding out with Brother Rob more times than not it's out of season. So just just be ready. Just be ready whenever. But uh, always a blessing to get to come. And uh, since I was here last time, I... I had I got invited to go over and fill in uh, over at First Baptist of Olive on a Sunday night, and since I don't I don't do uh, worship service or anything down at Tahlequah on Sunday nights because we're having Sunday school on Sunday nights, so I'm, I'm free on Sunday nights. So I I drove over to Olive and uh, did music and preach over there. And man, I I told them I said man I was, was kind of nervous to go over there because now now I'm I, I'm totally inadequate to fill in for Brother Rob because there's no way that I can preach like Brother Rob. And uh, Brother Rob's one of my favorite preachers. He's one of my spiritual heroes. And I don't just say that. I really mean that. He is one of my spiritual heroes. Uh, but, I mean, I, I certainly can't uh, preach like Brother Rob. But uh, I'm uh, I'm not necessarily intimidated uh, for, to preach in, in place of Brother Rob because I found out Brother Rob's just like me. I mean, sometimes he'll try to say two words at once and end up saying neither one of them. And, uh, I mean, I've heard Rob say some stuff from the pulpit accidentally. It probably wasn't supposed to have been said in church, you know. But... Uh, Anyway, so I I don't feel adequate to fill Rob's shoes, but I'm not necessarily intimidated. Man, I went over to, to First Baptist of Olive. Man, I've, I'm filling in for for Marty Brock. I mean, everything Marty Brock says and does is just like perfect. I've I've never heard Brother Marty stum, stammer or stumble around when, or say the wrong word. He's just everything is just perfect the way it just comes out of his mouth, and he never he don't even have to open his Bible. He's got it all up here, you know, and, and he can just rattle his points off, never look at his notes, and I mean he always every, he's always got even the, everything about it, his look, everything is just perfect. He's got everything's in place, and I mean I'm, I'm, all my hairs are in place, just like Brother Marty. That's about the only thing we've got in common. But uh, I mean I went over there and I thought, man, I. I'm gonna be. I'm, I'm. I'm hating to do this because I ain't no way I can. I can live up to the standards that brother brother Marty's got. But uh, and I. I mean, like I said, he just everything about him, you know, his preaching, and everything, he just like so perfect. And I'm not like that at all. I. I, I was so nervous. I, I felt like I was at the dress rehearsal for the marriage supper of the Lamb, and they had me filling in for Jesus or something. But uh, but we we got through it, and uh, I. Uh, Coming home from that day, coming home from Tahlequah that morning, my light came on on my car that said it had a, a tire that was low. So I got out and looked at it, and it was I couldn't tell which one it was. So, well, it's just barely low, so I'm going home. So I went on home, got home, and and I aired it up. It was only about two pounds low, so I went on up to Olive. Well, man, but I, the light came on about 30, again about 30 minutes before I got to Olive. And um, I thought, well, it was just two pounds low while I go when I aired it up, so I'm not even going to stop. So I just went ahead and I was almost there anyway. So I went ahead and got to the church. Well, man. By the time the service was over, man, I mean that thing, it was it, it was flatter than Joe Biden's economy. I mean it was, I mean it, it was uh, it, it was flat. And uh, I come out my, I, I spent a while in there talking to people, man. By the time I got out on the parking lot, 
I mean, one guy done gone to the house to get an air tank, and they had one of them had they didn't had the car jacked up and had the lug nuts loose and everything else, you know. And uh, I told him, I said, man, alive. I said, I've, I've preached in quite a few places, but I said, this is, I said y'all, y'all acting like, like you're sure anxious to get me out of town. And uh, they, they want to make sure I wasn't going to stick around till Wednesday night. So uh, they said, we're going to get that tire changed so he'll get out of here. But uh, anyway, we, uh, we made it through, though. And they, uh, they acted like they got a blessing out of it anyhow. So, uh, well, I'll probably not, as far as I know, never know, Brother Rob, but. I don't expect that I'll be back here again before Christmas, so I'm going to preach a Christmas message to you tonight. And uh, we'll go to Luke chapter number 2. I'll preach to you a little while on the spirit of Christmas. I know everybody's busy and you got work and school tomorrow, so I'll try not to keep you too long tonight. But also because I stopped on my way up here, and because usually I'm up here on Sundays and they're always closed, I stopped in at the Dutch pantry and had supper tonight, so I don't have enough air to preach more than 15 minutes, I don't think. But uh, have you ever missed something really important? Maybe it was a birthday or an anniversary or something. I mean, it might have been some really important appointment. And I don't know about you, but when that happens to me, man, I just feel sick inside that that I missed that, something that was so important. And and, uh, my son works for... He works for uh, Wells Fargo in their financial division in Oklahoma City, and he's in his last year of college. He's got a, they offered him a really good job, and uh, he makes as much money as he, he got. He got started out as much with uh, Wells Fargo starting out as I'm making right now working for the state, and I've been there eight years. So uh, I told him, I said, "Yeah, I'd take that job." I said, "I'm, I'm and it's a pretty good job." But anyway, he, he he's into the financial market all the time. And he's, I, he was telling me the other day, I saw him over the weekend, and. He's starting to look at these cryptocurrency and all that kind of stuff, you know. And there was a particular cryptocurrency that came out here just a few weeks back, and I think it was a, I thought he said it was a Japanese cryptocurrency. But anyway, um, he was going to put $100 in it, and he, he just kept putting it off and didn't do it. And, and it went up quite a bit, and his, his, his fiance told him, said, well, said, go ahead and buy some. You better buy some. It's going up. He didn't end up buying it, and he looked back now. Had he put that $100 on that particular cryptocurrency, it went up 2,000 and something percent. It would have been $2.2 million had he, just a few weeks ago, if he had spent that $100 and put it in that cryptocurrency. I said, man, I said, if you didn't, if you didn't want to do it, you should have called me. I said, I'd have done it. Uh, I said, uh, but anyway, so he, he's looking back now. I said, man, I'd have been set up for life if I would have just went ahead and, I mean, just $100. But he said, I just kept putting it off, thinking, well, I'll wait and see what it does. You know, well, now, of course, it's went too high, and he, he can't do that again now. But you know, that's, uh, that's, so he, he felt sick about that, knowing what he could have had, but he didn't. I've often wondered what Thomas must have felt whenever he missed coming to church on Sunday evening and discovered that the resurrected Jesus had come and he had missed it. I mean, I know he doubted the report of the other disciples, but I wonder if a lot of that was just he didn't want to think that he had missed something that was so important as seeing the resurrected Lord. I think about our military personnel who will not be with family this year because they're serving our country and maybe in foreign lands this Christmas and missing Christmas. I mean, what could be worse than that? Well, what could be sadder? Well, I think there's many that are going to miss Christmas this year, and I'm not talking about the men and women who are in the military. I'm not talking about the folks maybe that will be in a hospital bed somewhere. I'm talking about healthy people who will go through the motions of some type of a celebration, but they will do it in ignorance of what Christmas is all about. 
And it, it might seem ridiculous as a thought to us, but, I mean, how could anybody here in America miss Christmas? I mean, we've, we've been bombarded with Christmas advertising since October, and, and uh, Walmart's had their, they've had their Christmas stuff up since before Halloween. I mean, yet still, many people will miss Christmas. Now, they may, they may observe the season because our culture says, culture says it's the right thing to do. But many people, even among those that observe and celebrate Christmas, are totally oblivious to the reality of what they're actually celebrating. I mean, look at the message on most greeting cards today. Many of them are so generic and they're so politically correct that you'd, you'd be led to believe that Christmas really has nothing to do with Christ. But I'll tell you, that's not really anything new. I want to remind you tonight through our scripture tonight of some folks in the Bible that actually missed the first Christmas. And we're going to consider them as we'll see how their spirit lives on in the hearts and lives of many uh, today that will continue to miss Christmas and what it's all about uh, today. So looking in Luke chapter number 2, it says, And it came to pass in those days that there went out a decree from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be taxed. And this taxing was first made when Cyrenius was governor of Syria, and all went to be taxed, and every one to his own city. And Joseph also went up from Galilee out of the city of Nazareth unto Judea, unto the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be taxed with Mary, his espoused wife, being great with child. And so it was that while they were there, the days were accomplished that she should be delivered. And she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger, because there was no room for them in the inn. And there were in the same country shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. First, I want you to notice tonight that missed Christmas was the innkeeper. Number one, the innkeeper. He had the spirit of busyness. Again, Luke chapter 2, verse 7 says, She brought forth the firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. Now, we don't know the innkeeper's name. Scripture doesn't specifically mention him by name. But that night in the Bethlehem, there was a young man and his pregnant wife that confronted this innkeeper. And, and basically, he turned them away, saying that there was no room for them. And because he found no room for them in his inn, then he missed that Christmas. Now, this was a unique set of circumstances. Now, certainly, this was not typical of the Jewish culture. It would have been highly unusual in that day for a woman who was about to give birth to be turned away with no offer of assistance. But yet that was exactly what happened uh, on that evening where there was usually a midwife to assist with the birth. Mary was there alone. Where there was someone who normally would take the baby and clean it and wrap it in a blanket. Bible says Mary took Jesus and wrapped him in swaddling clothes, which in, in reality was probably nothing more than just some rags where there would have been usually a cradle or a crib to place the newborn baby in, Mary had to use an animal's feeding trough to place Jesus in. You see, the innkeeper missed Christmas because he was preoccupied. It was census time there in Bethlehem, and every living descendant of David had to be there. The town was crowded, and I'm certain that the innkeeper was busy. And uh, now, it was not that he was hostile. It's not that he was unsympathetic. He was just busy. I mean, I'm sure the inn was full. And he was just uh, preoccupied with all the things that was going on that day. But, you know, in, in reality, he's exactly like millions of people are today. I mean, many people today are just so consumed with activity, even especially during this time of the year. 
And it's not that it's necessarily sinful activity that they're involved in. It's just things, just things that keep them busy. I mean, it might be shopping or banquets or parties or concerts or school activities or programs, and it could be a host of other things that compete for our attention. And in the clutter of all this activity, many people are going to get preoccupied during this special time of the year when we should be focusing on the birth of the Lord Jesus Christ, and they're going to miss Christmas or they're going to miss what the real meaning of Christmas is. The second spirit or the second person I want you to look at was King Herod. King Herod had the spirit of fear. And uh, we're going to look in Matthew chapter number 2. Matthew chapter number 2, verse number 1. says, Now when Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, there came wise men from east, from the east of Jerusalem, saying, Where is he that is born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and are come to worship him. And when Herod the king had heard these things, he was troubled in all Jerusalem with him. And when he had gathered all the chief priests and scribes of the people together, he demanded of them where Christ should be born. And they said unto him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for thus it is written by the prophet. And thou, Bethlehem, in the Land of Judah art not the least among the princes of Judah, for out of thee shall come a governor that shall rule my people Israel. Then Herod, when he had privily called the wise men, inquired of them diligently what time the star appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search diligently for the young child. And when you have found him, bring me word again that I may also come and worship him. Now, King Herod again had the spirit of fear. Now, he was not ignorant. He was very well informed. And in all reality, Herod just pretended that he wanted to worship Jesus Christ. But in reality, he was fearful of this one that was called the king of the Jews. You see, Herod didn't want any competition for his throne. Now, you got to understand, Herod was a very ruthless man. His paranoia was legendary. Herod had ten wives. That'd probably be enough for to cause me to have you paranoid right there if I had ten wives. I mean, you got ten wives, you got ten mother-in-laws. So, I mean, that's, that's even worse, isn't it? I got a good mother-in-law. I shouldn't say that, though. Had ten wives and twelve children. And one of his wives had a brother that was, who was the high priest, and he murdered him, and then he murdered his wife also. Matter of fact, Herod was so afraid of his two oldest sons that they would take the throne, he murdered them both. I mean, he was such a brutal and merciless man it isn't hard to understand how that he could do such a despicable thing as to order scores of innocent children slaughtered. In verse 16 through 18 of Matthew chapter 2 says, Then Herod, when he saw that he was mocked of the wise men, was exceeding wroth and sent forth and slew all the children that were in Bethlehem and in all the coast thereof from two years old and under, according to the time which he had diligently inquired of the wise men. And uh, he goes and he has all these children that are under two years old he has them he has them murdered because he's trying to make sure that jesus can't grow up and become king of the jews all of this was done out of fear that somebody else was going to take his throne do you know herod's fear is also found in many today many people today they won't allow anything to interfere with their career their position their power their attributes their plans, 
or their lifestyle. I mean, they're not, a, they're not about to let somebody else be king of their lives. Just like Herod, they see Jesus as a threat. And because of that, many people are going to miss Christmas or the true meaning of Christmas because they don't want somebody telling them how to run their life. They don't want to turn their life over to a higher power. Now, people don't mind taking off work at Christmas time. They don't even mind, really don't even mind celebrating the birth of Jesus the Savior. I mean, you'll hear some of the most wicked people in the world that will talk about with loving, in loving words, they'll talk about baby Jesus being born in a manger. But those people that, that are like that, most of them, they'll not talk about Jesus much beyond what happened when he was born in that manger. You know why? Because they don't mind, they don't mind him being a little baby in a manger. When you start talking about him growing up and becoming the king of kings and lord of lords, they're not ready for him to be lord of their life. Just like the citizens in Luke 19, 14, they cry out, we'll not have this man to reign over us. And because of this, they're going to miss Christmas. You know, you and I many times will say that he's lord, but many times we'll make Lord, make Jesus Christ lord of most things. We'll make him the Lord of just about everything maybe in our life, but there's just a few areas, a few places, a few things in our life that we're not quite ready to turn over to him. But I tell you tonight, if he's not Lord of all, he's not Lord at all. If you've got any area of your life that you're holding back on him and you're not letting him be Lord, then he's not Lord of anything then if he's not Lord of all. And then last of all, I want you to look at the religious leaders. Again, looking in Matthew chapter 2, verse number 4. It says that when he had gathered all the chief priests and the scribes of the people together, he demanded of them where Christ should be born. And they said unto him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for thus it was written by the prophet, And thou, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, art not the least among the princes of Judah. For out of thee shall come a governor that shall rule my people, Israel. Now this is an amazing passage of Scripture when... Herod had heard of the birth of the new king. He calls together the religious leaders of the day, and he asked them what they knew about it. Now, so basically, you, we've already read this tonight, but they, they just told him what the prophets had written. They told him where the Messiah was going to be born. So they knew all the specifics about Jesus and his birth and where he was going to be born. They knew why he was going to be born there. They knew his lineage. They knew all the details about Jesus, but yet those same religious leaders that knew all the details about Jesus, they still missed Christmas. You see, there's a lot of people today that they will, they will say they believe that Jesus was born in a manger. They believe, they'll even believe maybe that he, that he was virgin born. That they'll believe that, that he was the Son of God. But yet they still aren't ready to make him the Lord of their life and to be their Savior personally. Now, you see, the Jewish people, they long for a Messiah. Ever since Moses first prophesied that a great prophet was going to come, they were looking for their Messiah. They waited eagerly for a deliverer to come to deliver them from their oppression. But yet the religious leaders never even bothered to walk a few miles south of Jerusalem to the city of Bethlehem to see for themselves if indeed the Messiah had been born. Now, why did the religious leaders miss Christmas? I think it was indifference. They just didn't care. 
if the truth was known, more than likely, they didn't just they, they didn't feel like they needed him. These religious leaders, we know from reading other verses of Scripture, we know that they were self-righteous. They believed that because they kept the law, that everything was fine. They didn't need a Savior. They were keeping the law. They were, they were doing everything they considered that they were supposed to do. And they didn't, they didn't feel like they needed any Savior. They think they're all right just like they are. They felt like they were already all that God could ever ask of them. Basically, you could say they were perfect in their own minds, and you could say they were filled with pride. You see, indifference is a terrible sin against Jesus Christ. But I'd have to say, sadly, that it's one of the most common reactions of people today. You want to know why the churches aren't full today across America? There's, I mean, America's got churches on every corner just about. There's churches everywhere. You can't, turn, you can't even hardly turn on a TV and flip very many channels without running across a, a, a religious TV channel. I mean, the gospel's out there. But many people aren't turning to it. They're not coming to the church because they don't even feel like they have a need for a Savior. I mean, they're think, they think they're all right just the way they are. They don't think they need Jesus. And many of them, it's not that they necessarily, they don't necessarily oppose Christ. They just ignore him. You know, multitudes of people this year, they're going to say they're celebrating Christmas. They're going to say that they're celebrating the birth of, they might even say they're celebrating the birth of Christ. But in all reality, they're really going to miss Christmas. They're going to miss the, re, the real reason for the season because they don't realize that it's more than him just being born a baby in a manger and even being the son of God. Unless they make him the personal savior to them, their personal Lord of their own life and come to him and begin a personal relationship with him as their Lord and Savior, then for them, it was in vain. Multitudes of people are going to miss Christmas because they just don't care. Tonight, there's those three spirits of Christmas from, past, from the past, from these three different groups of people or people that we've looked at tonight. They show us the spirit of busyness. They show us the spirit of fear. They show us the spirit of indifference. But I'm thankful tonight that I can tell you nobody has to miss Christmas. I mean, whether it's a preoccupation, just getting too busy, whether it's a selfish fear, people being afraid that, well, if I just really let him be Lord of my life, I'm not going to have control of anything anymore, and I'm, I can't, maybe, I'm, I, can, maybe I, can't, I can't do what I want to do anymore. You know what? He knows what you need to do better than you do. He knows what we need better than we know ourselves. I mean, if you can trust him to, to save you from hell, you can trust him to take you to heaven someday, why can't you trust him just to guide your life down here tonight? I mean, he knows what's... See, you and I, we just... We can anticipate what we think is going to happen tomorrow. We can look and we can get ready for something we think we may face tomorrow. But the Lord already knows what we're going to be facing tomorrow. And if you'll let him guide and, and be the Lord of your life, he can prepare you for what you're going to go through tomorrow better than you can yourself because he already knows. He's already been in tomorrow and he knows what it's going to be like. You know, all these things we've talked about tonight, they're all different expressions of one main reason that people miss Christmas. 
But I guess many of those roll into one probably, and that's unbelief. If there's anybody here tonight, I know this is the Wednesday night crowd, but if there happened to be somebody here tonight that that you've been missing Christmas because you've not yet believed on the Lord Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you might get presents, you may eat a big dinner, you may decorate a tree, but yet you know in your heart tonight that you're no different from the innkeeper, from Herod, or from the religious leaders of Jerusalem. And in reality, you're missing the reality of Christmas. But I can tell you now, you don't have to miss it. All you've got to do tonight is just turn from your sin and unbelief and just come and receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior and say, Man, Lord, I, I've not really done this yet before, but I don't want you to just be somebody I've heard about, somebody that I know some things about. But Jesus, I want you to be a part of me. I want you to come and live inside me. I want you to be my best friend. I want you to be my Lord and Savior. And I want to have that relationship with you on a personal level. Unfortunately, we find these spirits in the lives of believers today, and it's a shame that we would become so busy and so selfish and maybe just so indifferent to the things of God that even especially those of us who bear the name of Christ would miss the most important part of this wonderful time of the year. I just want to encourage you tonight to, as you go throughout this wonderful time of the year, just don't get so busy and preoccupied or indifferent that you'll not make him the priority among all the things that are taking place in your Christmas season. And even those of us that are saved, we can do that. I know we know these things. I mean, you're, you've been saved. Some of you have been saved a lot longer than I have. And we know these things about Jesus, and sometimes we just kind of, we've heard it so much that we almost just kind of get accustomed to it, and it doesn't mean the same to us. Man, just ask the Lord just to help you get a, just a new vision of what Christmas really means. Because if it hadn't been for Jesus Christ, not just being that baby in the manger, but growing up and living the sinless, perfect life as the Lamb of God, dying on the cross of Calvary for my, for my sins, your sins, and then rising from the dead to show that he had power over death, hell, and the grave. Hadn't been for all of that being true tonight, you and I would have no reason to even be here. We might as well just close our Bibles and go home and don't worry about coming back because other than just a little social gathering, there'd be nothing of value to not taking place if Jesus was not real. Dearly Father, Lord, I thank you for the privilege of being in your house tonight. Lord, thank you for this wonderful season. Lord, when we celebrate the King of kings and Lord of lords. And Lord, we are thankful that you were willing just to come and be born in just a lowly manger in a stable. Lord, none of the palaces of the kings of this world would have been really worthy for you to be born into. But Lord, you laid aside your robes and your righteousness and you came down just as a lowly human being so that you could reach the lowest of men with salvation. But Lord, we thank you not just for your birth, but we thank you for your sinless, perfect life and for you going to the cross of Calvary and willingly laying your life down there on the cross of Calvary for us. And I thank you for what you did for us. But most of all, Lord, I thank you that you rose from the dead. Lord, if you had not rose from the dead, then we'd have no hope tonight. But Lord, you're living today, and you're on the right hand of the throne of God, Lord, and you're just sitting there 
waiting until the time you can come take us home to be with you. Lord, I pray that you'll have your will in the way in this invitation, Lord, tonight. If there's anybody here tonight that doesn't know you as Lord and Savior, Lord, I pray they'll come to you and receive you. For it's everlasting too late. And we'll all leave here tonight closer to you than when, than when we came. Don't have your will in the way. These things we ask you in your name. Amen. Let's all stand together. You come tonight if you want to talk to the Lord tonight. You may not it may have something on your heart and I have nothing to do with the message tonight. Just somebody you want to pray for. Certainly if you're here tonight and you've never been saved, never received Jesus as your Lord and Savior, just come down here. We'll take our Bible and show you how to receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. You come if God's spoken to your heart.